welcome to the worship service at the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Hayward, California, a multicultural church in the San Francisco East Bay that worships on the Seventh-day Sabbath, Saturday. The ministry of the Word by Pastor Paul Penno is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to forgive sin and save from sin by his cross and ministry as priest in the heavenly sanctuary the third angel's message in verity. Join us now as the service is in progress. Good morning and happy Sabbath. God is good. All the time. I'd like to take this opportunity to appreciate Sister Deborah, Malu, and Joanne for that beautiful number and also to appreciate the Kenyan group uh, that comprises Sister Milka, Sister Elizabeth, uh, Anne, Jody, and Beatrice, and, and myself. The song they sang, to a Panda Mapema, is Sewing in the Morning. Uh, Before I speak, I, I needed to share with you my little experience I had when I got into this country uh, about 23 years ago. I came here straight from high school and settled in a, a city known as Jersey City, New Jersey, to go to college there. It was in the fall, I think, 1987, and uh, you know, I was very mature, and so everything had to be shown to me, and everything was new, and so I found myself at this college known as Jersey City State College. Now they call it New Jersey City University. I was attending there in the fall, it was a little call, and I needed to eat. I didn't know much about menus and where to get food. The food, uh, you know, is different here if you are coming from Africa. So I, my friends had told me about a lunch truck. There was a lunch truck by the school. And I didn't understand where the lunch truck was. So they told me that they have very good food there. And I was curious. I wanted to see what, how, how, how they managed to cook in a, a car. Because in Kenya, a car, you know, is transport people. So I was curious, and I, I lined up with other student. I'm, I'm naturally a very shy person and very timid. And I didn't speak English very well, and I, even uh, to this day. So I was there, I lined up, and the owner of the lunch truck noticed um, there's a new chicken in town. So what did he say? He said, Rafiki, which means friend, what may I offer you today? Because he noticed that he could tell, and, you know, having stayed there for a while, there were several African students coming uh, there. And then he made an offer to me, and he said, may I offer you a hot dog? 
Immediately I started thinking quickly. I hope he doesn't want, he's not intending to give me dog meat. A hot dog. And I thought, maybe he's talking about a wild dog. And I became so vigilant. I wanted to see if there was a dog that would show up to bite me. And then I thought, maybe if he's speaking of a hot dog, perhaps there is a cold dog. There, is, there must be a cold dog. And I was thinking, you know, split seconds, and I said, maybe a cold dog is like a, a nice dog. And, and I said in my mind, don't even try a cold dog because I don't eat no dog meat. Just that I was mature. I didn't understand. I had to learn many things. Uh, I learned you vocabulary. I, I didn't know what a mall was, what a food store, because where I come from, we, we use the word supermarket. Anyway, later on, I came to learn that there is something called a veggie dog. I don't know what I would have thought about a veggie dog then. So, uh, but... I know a veggie dog is good for you. And I am telling you this story because when I came, indeed, I was very mature, very timid, and very shy, and I didn't know that I was going to master that language and be able to stand in front of people and speak. I think uh, I can say that I've grown a little, and I thank God for that, for bringing me that before I begin to speak, we are going to pray. Our Father and our God, I have sinned, I have done wickedly. I don't deserve, I'm not worthy, Lord, to represent you before thy people. Therefore, Lord, I listen, speak, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor Paul asked me to preach a few weeks ago. He came and approached me, and I was wondering what he was going to talk to me about. And he said, could you preach on June 26th? I have never preached. So I started feeling a little butterflies. And I thought about it quickly. I said, yes, I'll pray about it. And I said, I will do it. And a week later, he, he approached me again and said, since you are preaching on June 26th, why can't you also teach the, uh, the midweek prayer class? And I said, okay. I enjoy reading and studying, but I'm, I, am, I am hooked onto this little book known as Steps to Christ. I have read it several times, like six times. And I wish I could own those words. So I decided that my message was going to be based on the, the little book, Steps to Christ. On Wednesday night... The message was titled, 
conversion, the precursor for growing up into Christ. In other words, I'm saying that we can only grow if we have been truly converted. The book of Second uh, Corinthians, chapter five, verse seventeen says that if anyone is in Christ, is a new creature. The old has gone, the new has come. You become a new creature. And Sister Ellen White has a lot to talk about conversion. She says that when someone is truly converted, it means that they have the Holy Spirit, which leads them to have a genuine love for Christ. They desire truth, purity, the the sacredness of God's law. They are convicted of their sinfulness. She says that uh, when she got converted, that was in 1840, about the age of 12, she says that uh, she felt that her strength was nearly gone because the power of God was upon her. She felt like she was not from this world. And uh, she says that it is a rare experience. You know, I'm involved in uh, what we call statistical programming. You have to know a little bit of statistics and and programming. When you use the word rare, technically it means something. It has to be like 5% or less. And uh, that's a very small number. She says that many people have been converted and have been baptized, but they have not died. So that's saying that if you baptize 100 people, you'll be lucky if you get five, or four, or three. In fact, when we talk of reality, it can be 0%. You can have 100% and nobody, we have no diet to self. And this is the same experience that is described if you have read the book of Daniel, chapter 9 and 10. Daniel is trying to understand the things of God. He's trying to understand the 70 weeks prophecy. And he's praying. He fasted for three weeks and he wanted to know, he wanted to have a revelation. And the in, verse, in chapter 10 of uh, Daniel, verse 8, he says this, There remained no strength in me. That is Daniel chapter 10, verse 8. For my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. When you have the Holy Spirit in you, you will be convicted of your sinfulness. But remember Daniel, you read 
Daniel chapter 9 and 10, he was beloved of God. But here, Angel Gabriel comes and he says that his comeliness turned in me into corruption. So, how do you feel? Many of us have been coming here for many years since you were born. I was raised an Adventist, and uh, I believe many of you might have. This is a worthy investment. We come here every Sabbath. We give one-tenth uh, one of our income. We come here on Wednesday for some of us. Have you felt something similar that these people, beloved of God, felt? Are we going to continue to live this way? If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has gone, the new has come. We found out that there are various aspects that can impact on conversion. In other words, if you don't handle them well, they're going to be a stumbling block. If you handle them, them well, they're going to help you in your spiritual journey. And we found out that first, Christ is going to make an invitation to you. He says, come to me, you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's not, you just say it like it is. And then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your soul. He's talking about yoke. He's saying my way is not easy, but it's a better way. It's the best way. There are two ways. Mutually exclusive, we say. You can't have it both ways. And that is exactly what is described in the book of Revelation. In regard to the church of Laodicea, we are not neither call nor heart. I listened to one preacher, famous preacher, and he says that because of that, we make God so sick in the stomach that he wants to throw up. So, the Bible says, if you hear his voice today, do not do what? Harden your heart. Hebrews 3, verses 7 to 8. And you can also find that in the book of Psalm 95. The second aspect we found is repentance. I used to think repentance is when we sorrow. Like, if you read uh, Matthew 27, verse 4, we read the story of Judas Iscariot. He was sorrowful, but he had not repented. You know what he says? I have betrayed the innocent son of God, the innocent lamb of God. He wanted to return the money back to the chief priests and the elders. They told him, we, we don't need it. He was so mad, he threw the 30 pieces of silver on the, on the floor in the temple, and he went and hanged himself. 
He did not repent. He was selfish. He felt the pain. So repentance, we have to have change of heart. Like David, he cries in Psalm 51, verse 10. He says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew the right spirit within me. He's praying for the burden of his sin and also purity of heart, change of heart. And Jesus, one time, he was teaching about people that are considered, you know, considered people, proud people. In the book of Luke, I believe it's uh, chapter 6, uh, he gives a parable of two people that go to the temple to pray. One is a Pharisee, and the other one is what? Tax collector. And that tax collector, you know, considered as he was, he said, you know, God, I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, I'm not like other people. Evildoers, robbers, and adulterers. I'm not even like this tax collector here. I fast twice a week. I give one-tenth of the offering. Then the tax collector comes, filling the need for Christ. The Bible says that he could not even look up to heaven he was so embarrassed and he was sorrowful. And he says, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says that he went home justified as opposed to the other person. That's what he called repentance. Now, where are you in regards to repentance? You know, sometimes we sin and, you know, we go back. You say, well, I'm addicted, seductive. I'm not talking down to you. I also have those problems, you know. Uh, so we have to have change of heart because if we, we don't, it's going to be a stumbling block. And then another aspect we looked at is confession. My wife taught me how to pronounce that word, confession. I would always say like a V. Conversion is different from repentance. A conversion simply means acknowledging the sin. You have to repent first. You have to have change of heart. And you see, you can sin directly against God like our first parents did. And God came and was talking to them and asked Adam, what is this that you've done? Have you eaten from the tree? What did Adam say? Oh, the woman you gave me ate, uh, gave me of the tree and I ate some. What about the woman? Oh, the serpent you created. So this, they have sinned against God here and they are not confessing. What are they doing? They are giving excuses. So in order to con- uh, confess, we have to have change. We have to Repent first, and if you have sinned directly against God, we have to confess to God. What if you hurt? What if you wound or injure sister or brother? You have to confess to them. First, you have to repent, and then you have to confess to God. 
If we don't do that, these things are going to be stumbling blocks in our faith. And then there is what we call consecration. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 13, it says, If ye shall seek me, ye will find me, if you search me with all your heart. We have to consecrate ourselves. And Sister Ellen White says this about consecration in the book of Steps to Christ. And I think she has also written a book in regard to prayer. She says, consecrate yourself in the morning. It should be your very first work. And let your prayer be Take me, O God, as holy thine. I lay my plans before thy feet. Abide with me today. This is a daily matter. She goes on to say, I love those words. Consecrate. We have to consecrate. It's a daily uh, matter. And then there is faith and acceptance. You know, sometimes we confess we repent of our sins to some people who we uh, wounded, and then they don't want, they don't seem to, to accept. So what do you do? You just have to keep on praying for them. As long as you've repented, you've had a change of heart, and you've said, I'm sorry, sister, you have to move on. You have to believe that you've been saved. You can read the uh, Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 talks about though your sins be as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. The book of Romans 8 verse 1 says, therefore there is no condemnation to them that are in Jesus Christ who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Mark 11 verse 24 says, therefore Whatever things ye desire, ye believe that you've received them and you have them. These things are very important and they impact our conversion. Now you've been converted and you've become a new baby. For anyone who is in Christ is a new creature, the old has gone. How many of you like babies? Let me see if I saw. I love babies. I didn't want to have 10 kids, but uh, when, I, you know, when I came from, that was my goal. We planned, and uh, because I love kids, really, and so until reality set in, I, I was here now. After changing diapers for several years, and I found out that they have to go to a Christian school, I couldn't afford it. So I decided uh, I will not do it. But kids are wonderful. You look at them, they are beautiful. There is energy. If you look at the kids, there is energy radiating. You, know, you can call it potential energy. It's just energy that is there. They smile. And uh, I just think that 
Babies, a little, uh, especially new babies, you know, you can smell them. They smell like powder. <laughs> They're fragrant. And, uh, and I, uh, I remember my mother uh, came to, from Kenya, and, you know, to watch my kids. And when they were little, she would sing and have them dance, you know. You know, uh, so he, she would say, you know, sing and say some, uh, you know, silly stuff and good and funny. She would, so, and she would do that because kids are, you know, harmless and, you know, we love them. And, and that's how we are supposed to be, like kids. You know, you feel like you want to poke them and say some silly thing like, giddy, 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 hi, ha, 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 how are you? Things like that. So if you are going to be like children, we have to be people who are approachable and easy to talk to. I have had some criticism in regard to our Adventist church, and people say, oh, you know, people there are too quiet. It is not for me. It is a no for me, like they say on TV. It's a no for me. They don't want to come here. I don't know if that's founded or unfounded, but we are going to grow. We have to be like uh, little children. Christ says, Serve the children to come unto me and hinder them not. For such is what? The kingdom of God. We have to be like little children. I, let me see how many of you are prepared to come to church. If you have your Bible, can you swing it? Let's do some exercise here. <laughs> Amen. I want us to read First uh, Peter. I'm gonna. I will read it. First Peter, chapter two, verses one to three. Let's see the rationale for growing up into Christ. Why do we have to grow up into Christ? You have to give me more time. I don't read my Bible often, so I don't know where it is. First Peter chapter 2, verses 1. To three, and this is what he says. This is the rationale why we should grow up. You know, babies are good. It's no problem with being a baby, but do you want someone to be a baby for 30 years? Let me tell you a little story. I know time is running. How many of you are hungry? <laughs> hungry for food to go to the. <laughs> I'm going to finish in a few minutes. I know of this uh, young lady. She told me a story. I know her very well. And uh, she told me that they would call her baby in our home. So everybody calls her baby. She, the uncles, you know, she was beloved. She went to high school, they calling her baby. And then she went to college, she's a freshman, and the father calls her Baby, baby. And the uncle say, baby, baby. You know, 
I have heard that word used here in America. You know, you can call your spouse, baby. That's a different context. But this girl, this lady, one time she decided, no, this is not for me. And she said, Daddy, no, 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 I'm, I'm too old for that. I'm now in college. You cannot call me baby. I'm not a baby. Now, let us, let us read that. And see, it says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking. Peter is speaking to the new believers and converts. In the different areas, Asia, Cappadocia, and other areas. As a newborn babies, as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. As newborn babies, another Bible says, crave pure spiritual milk. Those are wonderful words. As newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. Let us also read Ephesians 4, verses, uh, I believe, it's 11 to 15. I can't seem to get it. Ephesians 4. By the way, we, we quoted this a lot in our Sabbath school this morning. Ephesians 4. And this is what it says. This is Paul speaking. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity. It was in our lesson this morning. Of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man, and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro. Do you, do you hear that? We don't want to be infants forever. And carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slate of men and the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow, may grow into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. If you read the Matthew 24, it tells us about things of the end. And it says that there will rise false Christ and prophets 
because of the increase in wickedness, the love of many will go cold. Does, that, does that sound familiar to you? Yes. So, we don't want to be like infants. We want to grow. What, are the, uh, what is the driving force behind our spiritual growth? And uh, Elder Mark read from Mark, like his name, chapter 4, and, uh, and that is in regard to the parable of the growing seed. What, what that parable is talking about, Mark 4, verses 26 to 29, is describing our spiritual growth. The farmer put seed in the ground, you get the seed from the full-grown corn, corn on the ear. Where I come from, we call it maize, green maize. You let it dry, you can take this, you know, you can grind the maize into corn flour. You take the seed from a grown corn and you bury it in the ground, it dies. That symbolizes conversion. Like when we get baptized, you got to mash in the water and come out. And then this farmer, we are told that he goes to sleep and he wakes up and then, then he, what does he see? He sees firstly the stalk and the head and then a full corn on the, on the head. They are described, they are here, Christ is describing the growing process, growing up, sanctification. In fact, Another term, a fancy term we use, growing up in Christ, is sanctification. That this happens from the time you are born until you go to sleep or until Christ comes. You will be here. What is interesting here, if you read, the farmer doesn't know how this happens. He cannot understand the same thing we are told uh, in, I believe, in Luke 12, verse 27, and even Matthew 6, 28, talks about the lilies. Christ is talking about worry, like now we worry about the economy and many things. He's saying, consider the lilies, how they grow. They do not labor or spin, but not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. He's talking, it's not so much here I'm using the context that we don't know the process of growing. Growing is the work of the Holy Spirit. Even the different aspect of conversion is the work of the Holy Spirit. What you, we have is the power of choice which we call the free will for us to exercise. Okay? So, the Holy Spirit takes control. And in John 15, the book of John, Christ says, Abide in me and I in you. Then he goes on to say that without me you can do what? 
nothing. You have to depend uh, in Christ. Hence, our growth in grace, our joy, our usefulness, all depend upon our union with Christ. We are told that Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. It is Christ first and last and always. The psalmist says, I have set the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Psalm 16 verse 8. You know what prevents us from growing out of the cares and the perplexities of this world. The economy is not good, and I know many of us don't have meaningful jobs. Every time we worry, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We worry about things. Kids worry. In an Advent school, my kids come home, and sometimes they don't want to go back to school because they are being bullied. One time, they invited this family to come and talk about bullying. All they said, they kept on saying, we are a bullying family. We are known for bullying. And the kids enjoy it. And we know that bullying can have dire outcomes. But Jesus tells us not to worry. The birds of the air, they don't sow nor reap, and yet the heavenly Father feeds them. Who, who wants a single hour in his life by worrying? That's a good question. Do you? When we worry so much, the devil loves that. That's one of his traps. Then he can say, you see, I told you, he's not a good God. He's a dictator. So we have to be very, very careful. Sometimes we worry if we are saved. When do I know I am saved? And the answer is, when you have genuine repentance. Because we are told that Christ now is in the most holy place by the mercy seat. When David prays, he says, have mercy on me. According, according to your unfailing love, plot out my transgressions. Transgression. In other words, if we truly repent, our sins will be plotted out. We have to believe and say with, uh, with Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer do what? Live. But Christ does what? Lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith by the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. You have to believe. I'm going to finish in a minute or two. I know. How many of you are hungry and want to go to eat? Okay. Uh, Paul talks about, compares the two covenants in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And it's talking about the new covenant. The old covenant had to do with promises and laws. And he says that 
You know, Moses would hang out with God the Son. We are told that Moses will talk with God. He actually talked with the Son, not God the Father. I hope you get that right. So, because he was hanging out a lot with God the Son, there was the glory of God in, on his face. So what did Moses do? He had to put what? A veil. Because if he didn't do that, those people would be consumed. But we are told that because Jesus Christ has come and is represented here by the Holy Spirit, we have freedom that we can behold him. And by constantly beholding him, we become changed into the same image from glory to glory. Amen? Amen. So by beholding Jesus, we become changed. Paul writes a letter to the saints in Philippi. And that is found in 2 Philippians chapter, uh, Philippians chapter 2. You can read verse 12 to 13. He's gone now. I don't know. He's talking about his, that he's going to be absent. And he says, now that I'm absent, you should work out your salvation with fear and what? Trembling. Then Christ will dwell on you, he says. And if he does, he will work in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. And I need to say this, that if we shall work as he worked, we shall work as we worked when we behold him, when he dwells in us, we shall manifest the same spirit We shall love him and abide in him as we grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. May you be blessed. Amen. Join us again next time for the word of God which will feed the soul. I am committed to bring you the fullness of the gospel as Jesus has revealed it to us in order to prepare a people for his soon coming.